someone told me many, many years back a sentence in German which literally translates to if you don't burn yourself, you can't set others on fire, something like that. So if you don't burn for a topic yourself, you can't enlight fire in others. It's roughly like translated like that. Yeah. That's it. That's it. If you don't burn for a topic yourself, you can't ignite the light or the fire in others. Exactly. I think I need to write that one down. Hello and welcome to the Cisco Learning Network podcast. That's Christian Kellerer, a network engineer and Cisco designated VIP for the Cisco Learning Network who achieved the CCIE Enterprise Infrastructure Certification in 2021. In our previous episode, Christian told community manager Matt Saunders and consulting systems engineer Micheline Murphy, who is also a fellow Cisco designated VIP for the Cisco Learning Network, his story of how he cultivated his interest in technology, decided to pursue Cisco certifications, and began his journey of overcoming challenges in his personal life and achieving the CCNA. In this episode, Christian tells the rest of his story, what happens as he prepares for the CCNP and CCIE certification exams. So Christian, the first time I took the exam, a Cisco certified exam, I didn't pass. And I didn't pass the second or the third time either. Tell us a little bit about how you talk to yourself in that situation where you're like, oh, I'm going to fail this. Or, you know, when you failed an exam to get back going, because you've been on that journey pretty much the entire time. I mean, your persistence has been really incredible. I was in almost any exam I set maybe except for the switch one. I was in there, I was thinking after like a few questions, oh, that's that's really hard. I'm going to fail that. But at that moment, I also thought, well, if I'm going to fail that, I'm going to fail that proud. So I read every question, answer it as good as I can. If I don't know it, take my best guess because many topics are at least a bit overlapping. That's what's going on in my brain when I take the exam or when I'm sitting the exam. Never give up and giving the best. Try your best or else it's a waste of money. The exam costs, I guess nowadays, depending on which one you take, three to four hundred dollars. So I don't want to waste that. That's how my brain works during the exam. And I always feel like if I think I'm going to fail, I feel well. I don't know. I think, well, if I'm going to fail, yeah, you release the pressure of, you know, before the exam, you know, I have to pass this. Uh, a fail is not acceptable. But for me, nowadays, if I fail, I fail. If I pass, that's good. But even if I fail, I want to fail with 100% confidence that I did the best during that exam. Even though the CCNP exam was a bit harder than Christian anticipated, he passed, earning the CCNP in routing and switching, which is now Enterprise, in March of 2019. Nobody asks you or needs to ask you. You don't need to tell anyone your actual score report, right? You passed. You have the certification. End of the day, that's the bottom line. Let's talk about CCIE preparations, CCIE process. I want to talk about a couple of different things here. But, you know, overall, walk us through the high level. You did your CCNA. You nailed your CCMP. You nailed switching over routing despite your best inclinations. Did you know right away you'd keep going? Did you take some time? Back then, I was really at a point where I didn't know how to proceed forward because there were a few things involved. First, 
I looked at the CCIE blueprint back then and it was still the old CCIE routing and switching, which included stuff like serial links, like HDLC, like RIP as a routing protocol and all that stuff. Uh, no offense to anyone, but for me, that's legacy stuff. At my age, I'm the next generation of network engineers. And I highly respect anyone who is comfortable with configuring frame relay with ATM, X25, stuff like that, and who likes that. But for me, I need to look forward. What's relevant the next 10 to 15 years? And for me, personally, the CCIE routing and switching back then wasn't that interesting because it lacked all that modern stuff like SD-WAN, which Cisco acquired from Aptella a few years ago. SD Access wasn't also included either, which slowly started to rise and there was no programmability and stuff like that. So at that point, the CCIE wasn't interesting for me, purely from a technological standpoint. So I thought about, well, maybe let's do another CCMP. And if I would have done another CCMP back then, I would have done the security one for sure, because I really love Cisco ICE also. Besides the catalyst, ICE is one of my favorite things I work with. So back then I thought about, well, maybe the CCMP security. That was in March 2019. I paused studying for a while because I didn't know what to do and how to proceed further. And then, interestingly enough, in June 2019, when Cisco Live in US happened, they announced the completely redesigned certification program. Before that, I heard some rumors, oh, they wanted to integrate Viptela, so Cisco SD-WAN, in the CCIE. And I was like, well, that could be interesting if that's really true. And then they released a new blueprint, and I was reading through the new CCIE enterprise infrastructure, what it's called nowadays. And I was like, yep, now we are talking. All that legacy stuff got mostly moved out of it or removed, and they integrated all the new stuff like SD-Access, SD-WAN, and automation and programmability. And when I saw that, I immediately knew, okay, now that's going to be my next big thing. Definitely. Micheline, I want to stick with your storyline a little bit here as well, your timeline just a touch as we keep going. Mm -hmm. I did the CCMP route switch under the old system. And then I did the CCDP with the CCDA first this time around. <laughs> so I had the route switch and the CCDP before the change in 2019. And then I went and I got the data center with the specializations. And I knew and I was waiting for the ACI specializations to come out. So I was one of the first people to take the ACI specializations exams. But I had started studying for the CCIE. I took a few runs at the lab for that before I decided this was not the career path I wanted to go down and uh, switched tracks to the design. So going after the CCDE doesn't seem so surprising knowing that I have the old CCDP and the CCDA. I think that's a really good point that Christian made though, is that with an exam, like the CCIE, the expert level exams, you really got to consider what your commitment is because the, it's such a long-term commitment to study for those exams that you really have to look carefully at the blueprint and really be in love with that subject matter and know that that subject matter is going to you know, capture your attention for a very long time before you decide to make that commitment because 
it's a huge commitment. It's a lot of resource. It's a lot of time. It's the CCIE. There's crying involved. So you have to be honest with yourself that that, that is what you want to commit to. Otherwise, you're just wasting a lot of time and a lot of resource. I want to take that one point further. I would say for me in 2019, I was at the point where I needed to define my career, how I want to proceed and how I want to go further in the, for me, I still have to work like 30, 35 years. So it was a point in time where I needed to define how or what do I want to work with in the next years and next 10, 20, 30 years. So that's when I decided to go for the CCIE enterprise infrastructure. I remember like last year, one of our key account managers was like, hey, why don't you do some collaboration stuff? And I was like, are you nuts? I was like, no, collaboration is not my thing. Someone told me many, many years back a sentence which in German, which literally translates to if you don't burn yourself, you can't set others on fires. Something like that. So, you know what I mean? If you don't burn for a topic yourself, you can't enlight fire in others. It's roughly like translated like that. Yeah. That's it. That's it. If you don't burn for a topic yourself, you can't ignite the light or the fire in others. Exactly. That is, that's really good. I think I need to write that one down. That is so true. All the topics in enterprise infrastructure are my thing, but collaboration, no, 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 no. One thing that I wanted to also focus on for a moment, something that Micheline and yourself both have kind of alluded to, but I think it's important to be fully honest and transparent with folks around one of the issues that we've talked about of, you know, Christian, you mentioned cost of exams and Micheline, you mentioned resources. And as we look at the CCIE preparation journey, we would be doing a disservice if we didn't talk about the cost of preparing for the CCIE lab exam, to think about access to all the resources required, learning materials, lab availability, lab equipment access, right, et cetera. You guys want to dig into that a little bit? I think that was, for me, when I was studying for the data center exam, one of the hardest conversations to have because at the time, I wasn't employed, so it was self-funding. And I'm blessed to have had a very supportive spouse who was, you know, whatever it takes, that's what you want to do, we'll figure it out. I know that there are folks who are not that fortunate. So, you know, being able to find the resources just to even study with, like even just recently, how do I find an ACI environment to study ACI? For the old route switch and for enterprise networks, there are a lot of decent products out there to create virtual environments. But as you get into more and more niche things, like how do I get an instance of ICE to study for? How do I get my hands on SD-WAN to try and figure out how it works? How am I supposed to mock up an instance of ACI? It's the old MSO now, the new NBO. How do I get my hands on all of that, those resources? And there's only so much you can do self-funded unless you're made of money <laughs> when i decided to take the CCIE, i decided pretty early that i will cover all the costs by myself because i wanted to stay independent 
I don't want to feel guilt to anyone who funds me to pay someone back. And that's why I decided to cover all the costs on my own. I think also that's some key point in my personality that I want to stay independent. Like, take another example, if I want to go somewhere and someone offers me a ride, I often say, well, maybe I try for my own so I can come and go when I want. So I want to keep this independence for me, for myself, and also for my career. So that's when I decided that I will cover all the costs for my CCIE on my own. And it worked out pretty well because already back then in 2019, I had a salary which was above the average. And I'm living a life on my own. So I was able to, to save a good amount of money, which I roughly calculated the costs for the, costs for the CCIE before I did it. And I was like, yeah, that's possible to cover by myself more or less. After all, this software-defined networking domain in the CCIE enterprise infrastructure blueprint is about 25%. And you can't understand something until you lapped it. SD-WAN, on the other hand, was very easy to lap because I had a virtual lab with EVENT3 because CML was released sometime after I started to use EVENT3 and that's why I stick with EVENT3. So now there is an SD Access Lab that's available through the WWT platform, so www.com platform. But it's a sign-up lab, so you have to reach out and ask to be scheduled in the lab. It's free once you get signed up for it. But again, trying to find those resources is a huge challenge. I think it's important to point out, though, that there's a huge difference between preparing for an expert level exam and the labbing that you would do for, say, like the CCMP or the CCNA. And I think that as you go up in difficulty, you know, the commitment, the resources needed, you know, the depth to which you need to know the materials all multiply. But the entry is, you know, at the entry levels or even at, I think, professional levels you know there's a lot of material that's out there and it's available so once you make that jump from professional level up into okay i'm gonna i'm gonna pursue an expert level exam that's when it, i think it starts behooving to speak to folks to say hey how did you get access to these materials or how did you figure out how to lab this up or can you tell me what you know materials you looked at for xyz that's where a network of resources comes into play right network of peers also years of experience when we consider expert certification level preparation you know it is recommended to have a certain number of years of experience under your belt right i think it's somewhere in the range of seven if i'm not mistaken that's in the interest of full disclosure we talk about the cost of resources for preparation we talk about the availability of resources for preparation we should also highlight recommended years of experience after deciding to self-fund both his training and his exam expenses, Christian worked out his preparation plan, and a big part of his plan was being honest about the amount of experience he had or didn't have yet. I took my CCIE the first attempt in 2020, the second attempt in 2021, and also the third attempt. Yeah, and from that point of view, I was nearly six to seven years in the networking, yeah. And labbing, I would say, is definitely not enough because the real world differs heavily from the lab environment. 
So I wrote that very recently in the, in the learning network. The certification you have should always complement the level of expertise you have. So if you're CCNA and have no expertise, that's that's fine for me. That's all right. But for someone with a, with a CCNP, for example, I expect an individual to back this up with around three to five years of real-world experience. And for the CCIE level, let's say somewhere between five to seven or even more. Yeah. I think I always try to align it with my career and, and how long I'm already in the field and yeah. And I want to be clear that, you know, that's not gatekeeping, right? That's a realistic bar setting, I think, personally. You know, Micheline, let me know if you think opposite. I think that there are, and I know plenty of folks out there who are very smart, very gifted in terms of their technical expertise that can just plow through or have been ready to do an IE much younger in their careers. I'm not one of those folks. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those folks, especially for expert level. I think it really needs a lot to be expert level in terms of CCNA and CCNP. Yeah, I, I agree with Christian. I mean, it's not gatekeeping. It's almost a shorthand for saying you have this level of technical knowledge. And it's a great way to start a conversation with the hiring manager, if that's what you're using your search for. Or it's a great way to start a conversation if you're talking to your boss about a promotion. But it's not going to be the closer. It's never going to be the, the closer to your dealers. It's getting you to the table to have that conversation. The certification exams, the certification programs are intended to help candidates, help professionals, help individuals validate their job ready skills. And like you said, it gets you to the table, but you still have to get yourself across the finish line for sure. So for your first lab attempt, talk us through that a little bit. How did you prepare? What was your mindset going in? Micheline, I'd love to hear how this mirrors your experiences with lab attempts. But yeah, Christian, you know, what'd you do? I started preparing in August 2019. And I did a bit of planning, looked around at the blueprint, checked out what I wanted to learn first and made some kind of plan, rebuilt my lab that I have a stable lab environment, at least for all the stuff, which is not SDXs. And my schedule was something about like learning or studying three hours a day at least, Monday to Friday, and even more hours on the weekend. And I pretty much stuck to that schedule. So I had my normal job from nine to five as we call it and on the evenings when i were at home i studied for the ccie and on the weekends i got up in the morning uh, and started to study right away after the breakfast and mostly ended sometime in the afternoon or, or in the evening depending on the day and how i felt now you might know what's next if christian started studying in late 2019 when i started to prepare for the ccie in august 2019 I think nobody of us knew what's ahead of us. I think the first time I really noticed that there's something going on was when I flew back from Barcelona, from the Cisco Live, and I was at the airport and I saw people running around with masks. And I was like, what's, what's going on here? What was going on? We all noticed this a few weeks later. So yeah, the pandemic slowly started to kick in. 
And that was also one of the challenges during my CCE time. Yeah. So because of the pandemic, Christian had to wait until October to actually take his CCIE lab exam. I wanted to try it earlier. I also booked it earlier, but I wasn't able to go for it because of the pandemic, which shut down all the labs worldwide. And I think I took the lab on one of the first days it reopened. Then the first lab attempt happened and I flew to Brussels the day before. I stayed at the wonderful CCIE hotel, as it's often called. I woke up the next morning on my lab day. I walked to the lab, to the Cisco building. was greeted by the proctor. I was the only one there, actually, because the seats were very limited back then because of the pandemic. We took the elevator to floor four of the Cisco building in Brussels. I still remember that as it was yesterday and I entered the room. I put my stuff in the locker on the back and was assigned to my seat and had to show my ID. At that time, I even had to bring my own food because the canteen wasn't open and they weren't able to order food. So I had my own food with me, my drink and stuff. And he was like, well, if you want to have your lunch, just give me a short note and I will pause the, the lab exam. So I was pretty confident. Yeah, I will nail that lab exam down. And that confidence was, was crushed pretty early in my attempt. We all have a plan. We all have a plan until we get punched in the mouth. My experience with the labs has been that I'd gotten to the point where I'm like, I can do everything on the lab exam if you give me two days. And so the, the time constraint of getting all these tasks done was what killed me. I'm really curious how, how you felt like you managed your time or if that was an issue for you or... I totally agree with everything you said. Time management is crucial for the lab exam. That's what I always felt at every attempt. You really can't prepare for the moment. You walk in the lab, the pressure is starting, the time is ticking, the, the, the clock goes down and down and down and you've got an awful lot of tasks to do and it always felt like just like you said, if you gave me a few more days, I will be able to do this. No problem. But I think nothing can prepare you for the moment. You see the lab exam the first time and you see how it's structured the first time and how many tasks they give you because it's an incredible amount of tasks. And for the time you got, the amount of tasks you have to do is just insane. And did you have the jitters the first time that uh, you took the exam? Because I felt like I had the jitters all the way through the first time I took the exam, like well into the point when I, like even past the first troubleshooting part, I was still like trying to calm myself down. What's this, what's jitters? Jitters, um, nervousness. Ah, okay. So, yeah. got it. Yeah, absolutely. I had this from the moment I entered the lab until the moment I left the lab. You are under pressure, you are nervous, you want to get this done. But you notice that the time is running against you and that's an incredible pressure point. So yeah, I share exactly the same feeling, but at every attempt. So not only at the first attempt, but at every attempt I had. So just get comfortable with your nervousness then. Okay, Christian, so you were just about to dive into, I think it was the design module launching. So the first thing in the lab was the design module and I was at least at the beginning of it, I, I was pretty confident that this works out pretty good. And just like 
any other written exam after a few questions i felt the same i was like oh that doesn't work out as planned so yeah actually when i finished this design module i thought well yeah that could have worked out maybe i wasn't sure but i had a somewhat decent feeling about it so then the do module deploy operate optimized module started and the list of tasks appeared and i was like nope not today uh, not at all so i saw the first few tasks the, the, the task itself are fair really fair they are pretty much aligned to the blueprint if you know your stuff they aren't complicated but it's always the time that runs against you and if you see them the massive amount of tasks you get and the little time you have for this module which is around five hours it seems impossible at first and i can't stress this enough but i think nothing prepares you for the first moment you enter the lab and for the first moment you see the lab environment the first time let's fast forward i failed a lab exam attempt and i want to blame it in no way on the engine in no possible way you can blame that on the engine you can only blame yourself because as i said the tasks were fair it was pretty straightforward they asked nothing which wasn't in the blueprint the tasks are complex no doubt about that you are tested on expert level of knowledge you always have to keep that in mind and yeah i failed but i solely blame that on myself and so after the fail you got the score report exactly i got the score report i went back to the hotel waited for the grading and stuff like that and the proctor told me we need like 24 hours and then you get your grading Weirdly enough, I didn't get my grading until a week later. So in the days after the exam, I didn't know how I performed. And I got my grading like a week later when I was at the office and I looked at the score report and it was devastating. It was really devastating. I didn't cry, but I was like, wow. I knew I did bad, but I didn't knew I did that bad. That really tracked me down at that moment. How'd you, how'd you get over that? How'd you recover from that and decide, you know, I'm going to do this again. <laughs> That's a good question, but it's like always in life. If you fail, you have to get up again, put your head on and keep walking. That's all you can do. I paused my studies for like one or two weeks. I made some notes after my lab exam, so I knew what I was missing, what I should focus on more and stuff like that. And I only can recommend it to everyone after every exam. Let it be the written exams or let it be a lab exam. Always take notes after it, so in case of failure, you know where you have to improve. And yeah, I didn't study for like one or two weeks. I took some time off because up until that point, I was studying straight for like, I guess, 50 months around that. And I needed a break. I really needed a break. If you need to retain knowledge on a very, very high level, expert level in this case, as it's called, I think I took two weeks off or something like that. I stood up again, put my head back on and kept walking. Yeah. First of all, that part about getting back up, I'm going to take just that <laughs> and extract it and just have it on ready on to repeat replay endlessly till the end of time for everybody. Yeah, but the only thing you can do. But you want to do, want to cry the whole day because you failed an exam? No, there are more important things in life than an exam. It was devastating. I was mad at myself because of how bad I actually performed. But 
if you go into an exam, this can always happen. So just get up again, put your head back on, keep on walking. There are good times and bad times in life. So And you're in the arena. And you're in the arena, yeah. Getting bloodied and there's nobility and respect just in that fact, being in the fight. Exactly, yeah. You're in the arena, there's a monster you have to fight. The monster in this case is the CCI lab exam. If you fight it the first time, congratulations. I highly respect anyone who passes the first time. But, you know, it's no shame to fail. No shame at all. And the most important thing is to pass it, maybe not at the first attempt, maybe at the second, maybe third, maybe the fourth, maybe the fifth. It doesn't matter. The thing is to keep walking, to keep fighting, and to finally fight it and to pass the exam. And so let's talk about, okay, it took you a couple of weeks, you rested up, you processed, you did some demon wrestling in your mind, right? And kind of, should I do this? Should I not? But you decided, okay, I'm going to go again. What did you do differently? How did you adjust? Well, after the first attempt, I knew what the modules in the exam look like, the design module and the deploy, operate, optimize module. So I knew what Cisco is expect from you to know how this whole lab works. Because before you do your first lab attempt, you only know, okay, it's a progressive storyline. Yeah, okay, it's a progressive storyline, but how actually does it work? What do you mean with progressive storyline? And after your first lab attempt, you exactly knew what they expect from you. And after I knew that, I was able to prepare especially for this situation. There wasn't much change in the way I prepared. I was still living, still three hours on a normal day and four to eight hours on the weekend, each day or Saturday and Sunday. But I knew at that point what was expected and I know what I need to align and what I need to change or where I need to get better, where I need to get faster and find a way for time management. Time management is crucial in lab exam. If you have like 20 tasks, you have to do the math. Okay, you can't take like 30 minutes for the first task because that doesn't make any sense if you have only five hours for the whole module. So do your math, check the tasks, do the easy ones first, check for dependencies because you can't do your layer three stuff before you did your layer two stuff. And it doesn't make sense to do any kind of MPLS before your routing doesn't work. So have a structured approach to how you solve tasks, to troubleshoot something. But what's also very important besides that whole configuration module or the do module is the design module. Know how a technology works, know it inside out, know how to protocols interact with each other, how you need to adjust something that you get a certain output they require, whatever. With an idea of what the exam looks and feels like, and what his strengths and weaknesses were during the exam, Christian prepared for the next eight months. In his blog, he wrote, quote, I brushed up on my theory slash design skills pretty heavily, end quote. He felt like this was particularly important for the design module, which was a big challenge in his first attempt. But while his strategy might have been changing since October, the world had not. Yeah, the second lab attempt was kind of interesting because the lab got closed again because of the pandemic. Nobody knew when it would reopen, and they announced the reopening. They had to move the reopening because COVID, the whole health protocol stuff. And 
my second lab attempt was in July 2021. So I went to Brussels again the day before. I slept pretty well, went to the lab, and I was much more confident this time. This time there were also more people around. So I think we were like four or five candidates, I don't know. So again, on the fourth floor of the building in Brussels, getting my seat assigned, the exam started. And this time I felt really, really well prepared. So I did the design module and at the end of it, I was like, yeah, this time I got it. I think, yeah, okay, at least this time I got the design module. I'm pretty confident here. Then the do model, the deploy, operate, optimize module started and it started pretty good, at least for the first two, two and a half hours. And then I think I got overconfident. I got cocky in a kind of way. I thought, yeah, yeah, I can nail this down. No problem this time. And that's when I started to make mistakes. And some pretty nasty mistakes, which, which took me ages to fix. And I messed pretty big in the SD-WAN stuff. But nothing fancy, just IP configuration. And that's when I started to mess up with IP interface configurations and stuff like that. And I wasn't able to fix it and time was running away. And I pretty much knew after like three hours into that module to, oh no, that's not today. The design module was great, but the do module was, wasn't that great. And so I left the lab and I got back into the hotel and on the next morning I had my flight back home and I was at the airport, checked my phone the last time before I entered the plane or I was already boarding at that moment. I got the score report and I was and it just said, fail. And I was like, oh no. At that moment, I looked at the score breakdown and it was a huge improvement compared to the first time. At the first time it was fail for both modules and the section breakdown was incredibly bad. This time there was a pass for the design module, but a fail for the do module. But what heavily improved was the score breakdown. So you get a score breakdown, which tells you, okay, domain one of the blueprint, you got like 50% or whatever. And I compared it to the first attempt and the improvement was pretty significant. And at that moment, while it was kind of a downer at this moment. But it also showed me one thing, and that was if you improve more, you can beat it. At that point, I pretty much knew, okay, I need to improve again, but this thing is definitely beatable. As I said, the failure of the lab exam, this time the second attempt was, was a downer, but knowing that I can beat this attempt, that I improved very well compared to the first time, gave me the confidence to go into the third attempt here. Yeah. And did that score report match up and align to how you felt in the exam, like where you hit your trouble spots, that score report reflected exactly accurately? Pretty much. So you always knew which stuff you like more, which you are more confident with. You have to be confident with everything at an expert level, no doubt about that. But there's always stuff you like to do more and always stuff you don't like that much. For me, quality of service is up until this day, a really pain point. But the score report really showed me the things I aligned in my studying process worked out. And okay, at that point, I really knew this can be beaten. And then your next attempt came much faster. 
there's a much smaller gap between your second and your third attempt and your first and your second, correct? Absolutely. The next attempt came, I still remember, it was September 2nd, 2021. I booked a third lab attempt just one week after I failed the second lab attempt. The CCIE lab slowly started to get its capacity back. It stayed open, finally. At my second attempt, they also served us dinner, so we were able to order food. We, we didn't have to bring it ourselves anymore. I booked the third lab attempt one week after I failed the second attempt, and so the third lab attempt was in September 2021. Still, I had my same pace with the learning, with studying, like three hours on a normal day and four to eight hours on a weekend day. I went into this lab exam attempt again pretty confident, and this time it really worked. The design module was flawless. I really felt very confident after this time. I was like, yeah. The do module worked also pretty good. When I've done most of the tasks, when I had one task left, I had like, I guess, 40 minutes left on the clock. That was the key point where I had to decide, okay, can I do this last task or should I start verifying? Because I didn't do much of verifying during the configuration of the other stuff. And I was like, well, I maybe have messed up this or this task. So it would be a good idea to do the last tasks because I read through the last task and I saw, okay, this technology, Okay, easy, yeah, can do it, no no problem. This, this should be fairly easy. And I looked at it and I was like, yeah, I'm confident with those technologies. And that's where I decided to do the last task instead of verifying because I wanted to collect these points in case I messed up something else, which I was pretty sure there were two or three tasks I definitely messed up. They were working, but not as Cisco expected because you always get those constraints where they tell you, okay, configure this and that so that the outcome is this and that and i had two or three solutions which i knew okay they were working but i didn't have the output cisco requested at that point and that's why i chased for the last few points which turned out after the exam when i got the report that it was the right decision when i did this last task i had like 20 25 minutes on the clock left and what i did at that point and i never did that in the first or second attempt i went on every device saved the configuration, made sure that every device was in the privileged exec mode, because I think that was, or still is, a creating requirement somewhere it's written, make sure that your devices are in the privileged exec mode when you leave the lab. And I hit the end exam button, I guess, or end lab button, whatever, with like 10 seconds on the clock left. And I hit it, and for me, I was like, that attempt was pretty good. I felt it the second time, but this time I knew it was pretty good. So I got my stuff from the locker in the back, went to the proctor and he was like, okay, how was it? I was like, maybe. And he looked at me and was like, yeah, right. So I left the lab at around, I guess it was 3.30 in the afternoon, turned my phone back on because you have to turn it off in the lab, obviously, went back to the hotel had a shower and I, I was really burned out at that point because if you need to concentrate straight for almost eight hours or it's eight hours that that's really heavy back in the hotel i thought like yeah well the grading doesn't come in until tomorrow at least i took a shower looked out of the window and funnily enough i had a room which i could look to the cisco building so i was like Maybe this was the last time I entered the war room, or maybe not. 
and then it was really weird so it was like around one and a half hour after i left the lab i got an email which said cci lab score report i guess is the title and you don't know this before you attempt a lab at least one time. You get this email which says in the title CCE lab attempt score report or something like that. But the actual score report isn't in the email, but you have to log in into the CCE portal. And I was like, oh, the score report is here. It's only one and a half hours after my lab attempt. This could get interesting because I heard somewhere, I don't know where, but I heard or read somewhere if the lab gets created fast or if you get your score report really fast after your lab attempt that's either a good sign or either a very very bad sign so i took out my laptop i logged in into the cci portal and there it was it it said like your cci status is certified it's cci 65551 and that's it and at that point i knew okay the cci journey is over not crying but i think I was nearly there. I guess I was nearly at that point. Because the, the, the thing is, when I left the lab exam and I walked back to the hotel, which is like five minutes walk. If you leave the lab, even though you think you, well, this was not that bad attempt at all, maybe I could have passed this time. Your brain starts to work. Well, what did I do there? Was this correct? Oh no. This wasn't correct. Well, what did I did at this task? Have I could have done it in another way? Did I do it correctly? Did I hit all the constraints that Cisco was asking for? And it's really crazy because your brain starts to work and starts to think very, very weird things. The more you think about it, the more you start to think, oh no, I messed this attempt again. So, yeah. I was relieved that I finally passed it, yeah. So I was sitting in my hotel. I was sitting on my bed, actually. I hit the refresh button several times because that's really crazy. It's also, for me, it was already really crazy in the days after it. I checked the portal several times a day to realize this is not something I've dreamt or stuff like that. So that this is real. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And it was a big relief. The time I invested paid off. The money I invested my private money my own money was worth it yeah let's get a bit back in time when i passed the ccna back then in 2018 before i passed the ccna i was like mm, yeah maybe i can pass this i was like okay what happens if i pass the ccna i always thought well i might feel differently i passed the ccna and after it i was like okay i passed it now what the same was with the ccmp i passed the ccmp it was a great achievement, no doubt about that, but also the same feeling. I passed the CCMP, yeah, but nothing really changes. What was very weird to me was that I also had the same feeling after I passed the CCIE. So I passed the CCIE. It was probably the biggest achievement I had from a professional point of view so far, but nothing really changed. Nothing uh, really changed. I also didn't knew what I expected to change. But before you do something big, you always think, okay, if I do this, something changes. But in reality, for me, nothing changed. I passed the CCIE, and that's a huge achievement. But I had mixed feelings about it. The first few days, at least. 
Well, I think what's important to consider there is what you don't notice is all the small changes that are already occurring as you go through the process, right? At the end of the day, passing the CCIE is a validation of all of that learning and of that process. But you're right. The, the sky isn't suddenly bluer. The grass isn't suddenly greener. But in the process, all the small changes have already happened. And those small changes are what leads to that big accomplishment at the end. And what carries you forward now. If you are at that point where you pass the CCIE lab, you really have to look at the big picture, which means the pass is great, but you have to look at how you improve during that process, how you improve during the journey, not only from a professional point of view, but also from a personal point of view. I guess for most candidates, it takes around one to two years to get the CCIE done. And learning or studying for two, one or two years straight And retaining your knowledge at a very, very deep level for that long a period of time, that's already a great achievement in itself. The past is what makes it the final thing or whatever you call it. But you have to look at the big picture, how you improve from a professional point of view, but most importantly, from a personal point of view. And I think what the TCIE taught me most is how to approach a task in a structural way you are assigned to a task and how can I approach this task in a structured way? And one other thing what the CCIE taught me was if I get a complex scenario, I can dive into it very fast. And that's one of the major, two major things what the CCIE taught me. Besides all that technological knowledge you gain from, from that. But being able to get a complex situation and, and uh, know what's going on really fast and to handle tasks in a structured way, which is really crucial for troubleshooting your network, for example. That's one of the key points which the CCIE journey taught me. If I compare my approach, as I said, especially to troubleshooting, because troubleshooting is a big part of what I do, I'm much more structured than I was I'd say, when I had my CCMP. Because that's not something a CCMP teaches you. A CCIE, the CCIE journey teaches you that. And it helps me very much in my day-to-day -day job. Not only this, but also that I can have a complex, I don't know, situation, whatever. Let's make an example. When a customer asks me, okay, I have this setup, I want to do this, 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 and have this constraints. It's much easier for me nowadays to understand really fast what a customer wants than it was before my CCIE. So the CCIE not only teaches you technology, but also methods to approach certain things. That makes perfect sense. I think that's all part of the value of everything, not from a sales standpoint. I'm not trying to sell the CCIE here, right? But just kind of from a reflection standpoint and, you know, thinking about it, it's like, yeah, that journey. My son is in a little bit of a similar place in his life currently, getting ready to graduate high school. And he's played baseball his whole life. He finished his last season of baseball on a really nice high note with some nice accomplishments and some nice praises. But that's over now. Yeah, and nothing really has changed for his life. But what I've tried to instill in him all along is the life lessons that he's learning throughout that process. The life lesson of failure, getting back out there and doing it again, no matter how many times you fail to get your successes and the work ethic and the, the building of the character building aspects of that. Right. I think that there's just, you know, there's so much relatable lessons from your journey there as well. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. 
you have to look at the big picture. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. Don't look at the lab attempt or something else. Look at it from the big picture, and that's the only way you should view it. So going back to bringing Micheline back into the conversation, she mentioned CCDE. I don't know if you remember this or if you were around with me in Amsterdam at that point, but I was at a third booth. You remember this wall where the certification paths were printed on? And I was standing in front of it and I was looking around and someone approached me. I don't know who it was. Someone from Cisco. And he was like, what are you looking at? And I was like, mm, no, nothing in particular. And he was like, checking my badge. And he's, ah, you are a CCIE. What's next? And I was like, from this, nothing. And he was like, why not? And I told him, the only thing I would really do from all of this would be the CCDE. But I really don't know. I, I really don't know. The CCD is really interesting for me from to get the high-level view of this whole networking or infrastructure thing. Not, you know, the CCIE is like the technical view, the low-level design, stuff like that. And the CCDE is the high-level view, including things such as involvement of stakeholders, like costs and expenses and business requirements and stuff like that, which... Sounds really interesting to me, but well, if I would have to decide what I do again or what I would do next, it would be the CCTE. But I don't know if I burn enough for the CCTE to really give my best, my 1000%. Because if I look at David, for example, Penelosa. Christian is talking about principal engineer David Penalosa, whom we've had on the show before. David, like Christian, has a really inspirational story of earning Cisco certifications and using those certifications to improve his career and, in effect, his life. He's into the CCDE journey for, journey for a very long time, and I highly respect him. He's a great guy, very kind. He has a ton of knowledge, and he's a great engineer, and he's just David. And if I see what he's going through with all his attempts and stuff like that, I have the highest respect. I really hope he passes sometime in the near future. Here's what I'll say about it, though, too, the whole thing. One of the things that we've taken out of this conversation, the blueprints are there. They're always there. They're there for you to download and to look at and to read and to start to scratch itches on, right? What is this topic all about? Because I get a sense with you, Christian, your desire and interest to learn the next new thing isn't going to stop. Now, for you, that could just mean continuous learning and earning continuing education credits to maintain your CCIE active status, right? Maybe there's some network automation skills that you want to develop. Humor me here. Maybe somebody will eventually bully you into learning some collaboration. No, we'll, we'll, we'll go maybe cloud. <laughs> we'll go maybe cloud technologies, right? Uh, uh, yeah. It's actually funny that you mentioned cloud technologies because like I had a request like two weeks ago, a customer of ours, he, he said like, well, we need a Cisco engineer. And I was like, yeah, right. Let's talk, let's talk about it. So we talked about it and he was like, okay, but I need a Cisco engineer who is also proficient in working with Azure, Microsoft Azure cloud technologies and cloud networking. And I was like, yeah, no, not at the moment. 
I have one thought that I want to wrap up on kind of what I think summarizes well your overall journey and your story. But I want to ask you for closing thoughts, advice, et cetera, for others as well. But for me, I talk a lot about passion, patience, and perseverance for folks being a big key for getting where you're trying to go, getting where you want to go or need to go. And I just feel like your story is a good testimony for having the passion for learning it to propel you forward and the patience right through health concerns, health challenges, global pandemic challenges, just time in general, right? The number of years to get there and the perseverance, clearly, obviously, three attempts at the lab for CCIE, etc. For me, just congratulations on the huge accomplishments you've gotten so far and for having those three kind of key things and being the epitome of that in, in my mind for you. My main advice would be this one. You have to burn yourself in order to set others on fire. Yeah, you have to have that fire burning inside of you before you can ignite it and set others on fire, ignite it in others. That's my number one thing I would recommend. So if you burn for a certain technology, like, I don't know, collaboration, then go down the collaboration. If you burn for security, go down the security path. If you burn for all those enterprise technologies like SD-WAN, SD-Access, routing and switching, then go down the enterprise infrastructure path. Don't let someone else force you into a certain path. You have to be very clear on that. Even if your employer says, we need a CCMP for collaboration, for example, and you don't burn for the collaboration topic, don't go for it because you will definitely fail the first few attempts. And at second, if you don't do something you love, you won't give your 100%. I think that's my number one advice. Number two would be have a really supporting family if you are chasing for the CCIE, because the amount of time you have to invest is incredible. So for me, the whole process was around 1,200 to 1,600 hours over a course of around two years. You really need to support a family, partner, whatever, because else this won't work. And also your, all your friends have to understand that. Try to explain it to them in a non-technical way if they are not into working in the IT industry because else it won't work. They need to understand what you are chasing after and why you want to achieve this. So you really need to uh, understanding environment because you won't have any more free time. Your social life decreases to an absolute minimum, which means, for example, if there's a birthday on Friday evening, yes, you can go there, but you shouldn't load yourself up. You need a supportive environment, else this won't work. The best thing is if you have a supportive employer. If you want to stay independent like me and want to pay yourself, that's fine. But if you got your employer to pay for it, for all the lab expenses and stuff like that, take the opportunity and just do it. Because the CCIE, you have to always see this from two sides. And I talked with my employer about it as well after I finished the CCIE. You always have to view the CCIE from two sides. One is your personal view. It's a personal achievement and it defines your further career. But on the other hand, the CCIE or each company, which is a Cisco partner at a certain level, needs certain amount of CCIEs to keep their partner status active. So it's not only a, an investment in yourself from your company, if you take your company's offer, but they also invest in themselves in keeping their partner status up at a certain level. Mm -hmm.
Thanks for listening to Christian Keller's CCIE Journey. If you'd like to hear more stories of certification journeys and news about Cisco certifications, please subscribe to the Cisco Learning Network podcast. And to find all the help you can ask for in your own certification journey, please visit the Cisco Learning Network and the new Cisco U, which have exam topics, study guides, training videos, learning paths, and an entire community of others on their certification journeys. You can also find these great resources at thecisco-learning-network.com and u.cisco.com. We highly recommend signing up for both the Cisco Learning Network and Cisco U as you embark or continue on your certification journey. Thanks for listening.